Make some noise. Yo, yo, yo. This, who is this guy, is Wes McElroy on Fox Sports 910 and FoxSportsRichmond.com. Call the show at 345-0910 or email Wes at FoxSportsRichmond.com. Here he is. He is the man, Wes McElroy. Oh, coming up this hour, we're going to talk about my favorite thing in sports. It's called college football. Paulie, where's my, do, maybe this is it. It's the it is. We're going to talk Division One football. Lane Casadani of CBS 6 will join us. We're going to get some memories of him. I rolled into Virginia in 2005. That was the last time Virginia Tech and West Virginia played. So I was only privy to one of these uh, rivalry games, which uh, can get a little heated, a little twisted, sometimes a little criminal. But we will talk to Laner. West Virginia, Virginia Tech on Sunday. Virginia, William & Mary, what will happen in year two, hopefully better for Bronco Mendenhall. And we'll also get to the Richmond Spiders. As we were just telling you, the Richmond Spiders and Sam Houston State have moved their game. It was going to be played Sunday because of the flooding in Houston, because of Harvey. They're moving the game to Friday night at Baylor. So we'll talk some college football coming up here with Lane Casadante of CBS 6. And I, I was just discussing Richmond and the move of the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers looking horribly just ignorant for saying – we don't want to inconvenience our fans in the end of September, so we're not going to trade series with the Astros. You got the efforts of J.J. Watt. Let me point this out. Uh, I have a brother-in-law who lives in Houston. He's actually out of the country on business right now. He doesn't know when he's coming home. He doesn't know how to get home. He doesn't know how to fly home. He's a bu- he works in, in the business industry, uh, and he's out of the country. Doesn't know how to get home because he doesn't know how to fly into Houston. Doesn't know where home is. Doesn't know where his car is. Uh, luckily he does not have a wife or children that are being affected by this. He's by himself. So he's only got himself to worry about, but man, there's so much going on in Houston. I was trying to explain to Paul earlier about two years ago, my wife's rental property got flooded out just about an inch of water, water heater went inch of water throughout the bottom. The damage that I saw an inch of water and what it can do. Her house was $22,000 worth of damage. So you take an inch of water and then you try to fathom of what they're going through in Houston. Every hour on the hour, we do want to let you know. You can donate the Red Cross, depending on financial donations, to provide disaster relief immediately. Needs money. They need help. You can go to redcross.org, or you can call 1-800-RED-CROSS, or you can text the word HARVEY to 90999 to make a $10 donation. Once again, it's redcross.org, 1-800-RED-CROSS, or text the word HARVEY to 90999 to make a $10 donation. We can transition to sports, and we'll try to do that. Uh, Talking about a lot of things this morning, a lot going on in the NFL. Matt Stafford, highest paid player in the NFL this morning. Great cash, homie. Brand new contract, going to be at $92 million, according to Adam Schefter, $50 million guaranteed. An average of $27 million a year. I think Kirk Cousins and his agent will be rolling out on the right side of the bed this morning with a big old smile on their face. Some people in the Redskins front office, not so much. That's a concern for down the road. Let's get to some of the concerns here in the immediate present. Rich Tandler of CSN Mid-Atlantic, NBC Washington. He covers the Redskins. He's joining us because, well... Let's start here, Rich. I know it's not sexy and sleek to talk about, but I tried to explain this to open the show that losing Phil Taylor is a big, big, big loss, literally and figuratively. Am I going too far overboard or am I spot on? 
Not uh, maybe a little bit, but it, they just you know it, it kind of leaves them without a nose tackle, and I guess that's that's the biggest part of it. You know, the fact that they were relying on a guy who had missed the last two years to fill the position, I think, is really kind of the, the bigger the bigger pic, the bigger picture issue is that you know they just didn't draft anybody, they didn't sign any you know, type of premium free agent. They got Phil Taylor off the street, basically. Um, but, yeah, now it leaves them with, you know, the possibility of maybe, you know, right now the best option on the roster looks like Ziggy Hood. He played a lot of nose tackle last year, and that's, you know, he's, he's a good outside rotational type player. But as a nose tackle, he's a little undersized and, uh, you know, certainly far from an ideal an ideal. Uh, solution there. I feel bad, and look, to me this is concerning because Phil Taylor was having, if you ask me for top three Redskins who've had a good preseason, Phil Taylor is no doubt in my top three. I I know he's had history with health issues, and you're right, there's a legit concern that you were relying on this guy, but for what I saw, he looked like it could be the nose tackle they've been looking for, and you mentioned Ziggy Hood. Does this now open up a spot? I mean, is Joey Mbu, is A.J. Francis, are they one of those two guaranteed to make this roster because of the situation? You know, I don't know. It was going to be hard. Even even with Taylor healthy, they really had seven linemen for six spots. And so I don't know if they're just going to go with the six, which would be Jonathan Allen, um, uh, Hood, uh, McGee, McLean, Ioannidis, and, and Lanier. I mean, those could be the six. I don't know if there's room for that for Mbu or Francis if, you have faith at Ziggy Hood or maybe Stacy McGee who played uh, nose tackle in Oakland. Now he said in training camp, he would prefer to stay at, and nobody really like, you know, that that's the other thing it's having the size to play nose tackle and, and it's liking it. Phil Taylor liked being in the middle of it. A lot of players don't, they'd rather play end where you're a little, a little free to make a few more plays, get a couple more sacks. So, you know, I, I think, the solution will be put one of those guys there, keep Embu and Francis on the practice squad, and then see what happens. He's Rich Tandler, CSN Mid-Atlantic with us. The Redskins losing Phil Taylor yesterday, quad injury done for the year. I got a laundry list here. I'm just going to let you go wherever you want. There's, there's the difference between overreacting in the preseason and being concerned, and I think there's legit concerns with a lot of things with this team. After three preseason games, Rich, what is your biggest concern with this Redskins squad? Well, the, the, the slow starts on offense, I, I think, is the, you know, you look at the big picture. And I'm posting an article later this morning on uh, CSNAtlantic.com what a big problem slow starts were when they happened to the Redskins last year. They, in their seven losses, uh, the, the common theme was they did not score a touchdown in the first quarter. They mustered two field goals uh, for in each in combined in all of their seven losses. So a slow start means trouble for this team. Once against the Eagles in Philadelphia, and uh, I believe it was Week 14, did they get shut out in the first quarter and still win the game? So yeah, uh, that's a that's an issue. You know, their defense might be a little bit better this year. But still, it's going to be the offense leading the way. And if they don't give the defense a little bit of a cushion to work with in the early going, they're going to be in trouble. So, you know, whether, you know, 
Jay Gruden talked about fixing the 15-play script at the beginning, different pregame meal. I don't know, you know, what, whatever they do, they have to find a way to fix that. I mentioned to Paulie here, we were talking about a scene on Fox. You were there on Sunday. There was a scene on Fox where, I think it was right after the interception, and it looked like one of the Looney Tune commercials or Looney Tune cartoons where the one guy's pointing one way, one guy's pointing the other. And you got Gruden pointing one way, Gr- uh, Cousins pointing the other, and it was looking like, you know, if I could put a caption, it, it's like, I thought you said zig, no, I said zag. The reason I bring this up is, are we underestimating the connection, the learning curve, the growing pains of Jay Gruden, the signal caller, the offensive caller in this offense, now with Sean McVay in L.A.? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it was there were still Jay Gruden's plays that, that were going out. He had a heavy, heavy hand in in calling them. Um, you know, with, uh, with with Sean McVay, I think you know what you're looking at is the bodies out on the field. Um, you know, preseason game one, Terrell Pryor, the only one of the top five pass catchers who was on the field. Second game, they did get Crowder back. Got Doxon later in the game uh, against the. Uh, Against the Bengals, they got Reed back for a little bit. I think he played about a dozen snaps or so, caught a couple of passes. Um, but then, of course, Doxon, you know, that, that's a whole other segment, I guess you could do on, <laughs> on him. Doxon is out. So, you know, it, it's, it, I think it's more the bodies on the field. I'm not, I'm not that worried about, about Jay Gruden calling plays, but this is a team that really needs its frontline players for the most part. You know, you're not going to get, get, you know, your, your three top wide receivers and especially Jordan Reed tied in to play all 16 games. That's unrealistic, but you have to be able to, uh, you know, if, if they need to be on the field a lot more than they have been for this team to be effective. You are a better man than I for many reasons, uh, one of which is you're going to be watching Thursday night looking at this team take on Tampa in the fourth preseason game. I probably will not be, but give me one thing, one thing that actually interests you, a, a position battle, a final spot, for the roster, what is it Thursday night that makes this game interesting to you? Uh, I was going to say my main interest in going to Tampa is dinner at Burns Steakhouse in Tampa on Friday. Atta boy on, on Wednesday night. But um, as far as that, I, you know, I, I think looking at, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see Jeremy Sprinkle do something to secure a roster spot. I'd like to see Robert Davis do something to secure a roster spot. I think those are guys who. You know, you think haven't made. They're they're you know they're they're both kind of mid mid round draft picks, but they really haven't done a whole lot in preseason to say, hey, this guy's got to stick. I'd like to see them kind of nail down their starting jobs. Excuse me, not starting jobs, roster spots. Rich, good work as always. CSN Mid Atlantic, part of NBC Washington. Our buddy Rich Tandler. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Wes. Okay. And Rich Tanner, like all of our guests, brought to you on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline for all of your Oriental rug cleaning needs. Just one call to Joe Hadid. Learn more, HadidMercerRugCleaning.com. I, I disagree with Rich on a couple of things there. I do think he's spot on about the players on the field, where I get that Terrell Pryor and Kirk Cousins are still working things out, but they've been working on things since May, and this is where they're at right now. I will come back. I'll also tell you something else I would do with this roster. I'll just say it now. I don't know if it's going to happen on Friday, but I'll tell you one thing that I'm pulling for, one thing I think should happen. If I was the GM of the Redskins, this would go down on Friday. And, Paulie, our poll question is up. After three weeks of the preseason, my concern level with the Redskins is very little concerned 
extremely concerned, or I fear this is a 5-11 and team. That was the prediction by USA Today. What are the current results at FoxSportsRichmond.com? We're sitting on 52% saying, I fear this is a 5-11 and team. All right, you can go vote, FoxSportsRichmond.com. All right, I'll come back. I'll go through the reasons to be concerned, and I will also tell you what I would do with this roster come Friday morning, and I would not think twice about it. But first, I did just mention my wife has a rental property. She, the house she lived in before we met, and we rented out. And the story I told, for many reasons, it can be a scary process. It also can be a process where you make some money. But if you don't know how to do it, you don't know what you're getting into. If you have a home and you're thinking about renting, listen up. Renters Warehouse is the way to go. Renters Warehouse, RentersWarehouse.com. They literally do everything for you from the start to the finish. And when I say start, they will go find great tenants. It takes them about average of 17 days to find tenants. Then you pick out who you want to live in your place. But if it doesn't work out, they believe in their process so much, they will warranty tenants for up to 18 months for free. So if it doesn't work out, Renters Warehouse will replace them for free. RentersWarehouse.com. Go to RentersWarehouse.com for a free rental price analysis. No upfront fees, no binding contracts. You can cancel at any time. Visit RentersWarehouse.com for a free home rental price analysis. Or if you want to talk to somebody, you can give them a call locally, 804 804- 410-3300. That's 804-410-3300 to speak to a rent estate advisor now from Renters Warehouse. Wes McElroy, Fox Sports 910 and the iHeartRadio app. Coming up, we'll play our Tuesday game, Two Truths, One Lie. You can win tickets to go see racing at Richmond Raceway on September 8th and 9th. And in about 15 minutes, Lane Cassadani of CBS 6 get into a little college football. Thanks to Rich Tandler, jumping on, joining us to talk to Redskins, probably putting some people's morning off to a bad start. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here to, to relay the news. And I do think the Phil Taylor injury is significant. Because Phil Taylor, and yes, I agree with Rich to the point where probably not a good idea that you're banking on a guy to be a nose tackle when, well, he hasn't been in the league since 2014, hasn't been able to stay healthy since 2011. But I feel bad for Phil Taylor because Phil Taylor, if you don't know the backstory, Phil Taylor has he was the number one uh, first-round pick. I think he was 21 overall in the 2011 draft by the Browns. Knee injury, has been unable to stay on the field. I think he was with the Broncos but didn't make it out of camp because he got injured again. So here's Phil Taylor back in football, wanting to come back. We, we talked about to him one day. He was talking about how him and his wife were talking, and she said, look, don't leave any doubts out there. Don't walk around through the rest of your life saying I should have given it one more shot. He came back. Phil Taylor's had a really good camp, a really good preseason, and you see things in the preseason against the Ravens, against the Packers. You're like, ooh, this may be the guy that they've been looking for at nose that they have not had, not last year, but they haven't had in years. Yes, Ziggy Hood played nose. Yes, Joey and Boo has been playing nose. A.J. Francis is playing nose. Phil Taylor looked like he possibly could be the answer. These guys are bodies. I don't know if they're the answer. And when we're talking about concern level, the fact that the Redskins revamped this entire defensive line, and they brought in three guys on the defensive line in addition to drafting Jonathan Allen. Leave Jonathan Allen out of the conversation. But the three guys that they brought in, Stacey McGee, Terrell McClain, and Phil Taylor, one guy out of the three have showed you something in this preseason. The other two, eh. Our poll question is up. If you're, if you're just tuning in this morning, uh, I do think, and I want to make it clear, I think there's a distinction in overreacting to the preseason 
and saying the preseason doesn't matter. There, there's rational thinking in when you say, hey, look, don't overreact to the preseason. Like, my team didn't win the preseason game. It, it's okay. You don't have to overreact. Uh, your offense doesn't look on point. Your defense is not making tackles well. Okay. You don't have to overreact. You can overreact to certain things. But saying the preseason doesn't matter, that's something altogether different. The preseason does matter. Julian Edelman's injury, it matters. Spencer Ware's injury matters. It's Jim Tom Sula. This injury does matter. And the level of concern with the Redskins, it seems to be increasing as the preseason goes on. Poll question is up. Your level of concern with the Redskins. Very little concerned extremely, or I fear that this is a 5-11 and team because that is the prediction that USA Today gave, and it seems to be the basic comparison for everything else. Paulie, what do we got? Uh, 5-11 and team is our leader in the clubhouse, 46%. And look, this defense, this defensive line got revamped, and they brought in three guys, and only one guy has shown you something, and now he's done for the year. I do think the secondary will be better. I think Zach Brown is an upgraded inside linebacker. He's a faster player. You hope no more outside linebackers get hurt, but inside is where it starts. And if you don't have a push, if you don't have pressure, it's going to make life a lot harder on you. I, I try not to overreact to the preseason, but you look at this team right now. Defense taking on injuries. Depth, starting line, now injuries. Depth at outside linebacker, Phil Taylor, both done for the year. Uh, offense, we talked to Mike Jones yesterday. Rich Taylor just said the same thing. Kirk Cousins, Terrell Pryor. On the field, not on the same page. Yeah, they got a couple practices left, but they've been practicing since May. And this is where they're at together right now? Maybe we underestimated how easy it would be to replace two 1,000-yard wide receivers. I think there is something to underestimating Jay Gruden as the signal caller, as the, as the offensive coordinator of this team. You've got an O-line that, yeah, it's missing a starting center, but Brandon Scherf is getting bullied at times. He's getting pushed around I know that's not sexy to talk about, but it's true. You factor this all together, and then you add in what Rich Tandler just said, that this team does not start well, hasn't won a home opener since 2011, hasn't won an opener since 2012, hasn't won an opener under Jay Gruden. It, they start with Philadelphia, and I'm not joking. That Philadelphia game, that may be their best shot at a division win. Now, I think they can beat the Cowboys. I think they can beat the Giants. But you want to talk about best-case scenario? Philadelphia, week one at home? Then you go out to the West Coast, and you can say what you want about the L.A. Rams, but still going East Coast to West Coast, that's a challenge. And then you've got Oakland and Kansas City. I mean, it's a very real possibility. This team starts 1-3, and three, maybe even worse. And I'm not doing chicken little and the sky is falling. I'm just giving you, there's legit reasons to be concerned. So if you are concerned, it's justified. So go vote on the poll question or 345-0910. And let me also throw this in, because I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm on board for it. Brought this up yesterday with Jonesy. I know Jay Gruden likes to have three quarterbacks in the roster. I know Doug Williams threw uh, the Nate Sudfeld love fest a couple weeks ago. I'd cut him. I'd put him on the practice squad. If you, if you release him, he hasn't shown you much. What he's shown you isn't anything that would challenge Colt McCoy for the backup job. And I don't think he's exactly shown anything that would catch another team's eye where you'd say, hey, you know what? We should go get Sudfeld. This team's got needs, now more needs on the D-line. You've got, I mean, everybody seems like Quentin Dunbar at corner, but they also like Fabian Moreau, and Joshua Holsey is making it really tough to cut him. 
you need safety help. You need D-line help. You might need to have an extra wide receiver because you don't know Josh Doxson's health. Do you really need a third quarterback? I'm serious. I'd cut Nate Sudfeld on Friday morning. I'd cut him. I'd let him linger out there. Worst case scenario, he's gone. Best case scenario, you put him on the practice squad. Because really, I mean, do you really want that extra spot for a guy who's not going to be active for game day? And in all honesty, if the season goes down to Colt McCoy, probably not going to be good. If it comes down to Nate Sudfeld or the third string, it's beyond over. Six-round pick, showed no signs, not your backup. He's expendable. Release him. Take the chance of losing him. I doubt anybody's going to salivate over Sudfeld. Put him on the practice squad. I'm throwing it out there. I doubt it will happen, but I think it should happen. Three four five zero nine one zero. I do want to remind you. Actually, I want to tell you. We only have 96 spots left in our 2017 Yo McElroy Survivor Pool. No. Brought to you by Diamonds Direct. You can go sign up today. Two places to sign up. Only 96 spots left. Somebody's going to win that $500 gift card to Diamonds Direct. Go to Twitter, at West Fox Sports 910, or our Facebook page, Fox Sports 910 RVA. You will find the link there to sign up. And maybe it's you that wins that $500 gift card to Diamonds Direct for playing in the Survivor Pool. Sign up now. Come back, Lane Casadani of CBS 6, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, getting ready to get going. Virginia, William & Mary, what to expect or what is the thought for year two of Bronco Mendenhall? And the Spiders, regrouping, rescheduling, we'll tell you how and when next, Fox Sports 910. Give away some Richmond Raceway tickets at 745, play two truths, one lie. It is no lie to college football season getting underway this weekend. want to remind you, if you cannot be in front of a TV on Sunday night, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, they play right here on Fox Sports 910. Coverage beginning with John Laser, Mike Burnup, and Andrew Allegretta at 6 o'clock on Sunday night on Fox Sports 910, your home for the Hokies. Lane Casadane of CBS 6 joining us, brought to you by Elkins Sports Performance. We'll name the high school player of the week here in just a moment, but Laner, my first year in Virginia was 2005, so I caught the last WVU-Virginia Tech game. Uh, give me your fond memory of watching these two teams play. Oh, I mean, when they were both ranked, uh, it would either be you know, a real slugfest or they could have a couple of shootouts, too, and just go back and forth. This was um, as intense a rivalry. I believe West Virginia and Pittsburgh is the backyard brawl, right? Yep, yep. And um, this was, you know, this was just as intense, especially when they were both in the old Big East. Uh, this, you know, th- this meeting would have uh, would have meant a lot in the old Big East uh, uh, standings in, in the title race. So it, it, there's no reason they shouldn't be playing at least a little more often. But you know, I think we can avoid the hey, we signed a deal to play in 2050. You know, we don't need that either. Yeah, I think they signed up. They're going to play in 2021, 2022. I think that's going to be the start of a run. And obviously, it helps because they're Power Five game. It's a Power Five conference. I guess um, is is the big moment of this rivalry. Is it 99? Is it when when there's like a minute left to go? The Hokies are losing. Vic brings them back, and Shane Graham hits the field goal, and that helps put them in the national title game. Well, the play that a lot of people will remember from that game is what Michael Vick did on a scramble in that fourth quarter where he ran towards the sideline, but all of a sudden got a very late block 
that sealed it. And all of a sudden he took off and ran another 25 yards um, down the sideline. And it's, uh, it's funny. I was, I was at my girlfriend's apartment. Now my wife at a boy and everything, everything I'm watching the game by myself and everything's quiet. And all of a sudden Shane Graham kicks the field goal and I'm just watching but from downstairs somewhere in her building, I hear this giant shriek as soon as the ball goes through the goalpost. So you knew a lot of people were watching. But it was, that's one of those when you, when you see a, a highlight of Michael Vick, that's it's probably going to be one of the plays that's on there because he gained an additional at least 20 yards making Shane Graham's kick. You know, I won't say it was easy, but it, making it a lot more uh, – uh, the make, making it a much higher percentage. Well, it is back. It is uh, the Black Diamond Trophy at stake on Sunday night at FedEx Field. Lane Casadane with us. What are you most interested in when the Hokies roll out on the field? I'm sure the answer somehow, some way involves Josh Jackson. But what's most interesting to you this first game for Virginia Tech? Well, I want to see if they can all get on the same page. I mean, Justin Fuente, I know you've, you've mentioned it, his 14 freshmen or redshirt freshmen on the on the two deep right now, I think, or at least, you know, uh, that could play some significant minutes. Um, you know, as athletic as these kids are and as, as many stars as they might have had recruiting and as much as they might have done in high school, this is a whole different, uh, this is a whole different deal now. So I, I'm really looking to see if the entire offense can generate some momentum. I really want to see if they could run the ball. That's really what... They, they had Josh Evans last year, and because he was such a threat running the ball, that kind of opened a lot of other things up. Josh Jackson hasn't done anything yet to keep the defense honest or to make them respect him at all. So he's really going to need a running game that has produced more than what Tech has gotten out of it the last couple of years. I, I really like to see if the entire offense can go. We don't know what West Virginia has either. Um, I mean, I know they're ranked and everything, but um, – West Virginia really doesn't know what they have either until they get on the field Sunday night. This is what we do the week before kickoff. We take preseason predictions. I think I asked this to you back in June or July when Vegas revealed it. But now seeing this team, not having answers, but having some solutions and some possibilities. The Vegas over-under is nine wins for this year. Are you going over or under? Boy, and this has nothing to do with Virginia Tech. It has more to do with the ACC as a whole. Um well, I, you know what? Sunday night would go a long way towards me deciding one way or the other. But if it's got to be over nine wins, I would probably take the push or the under right now still because I still don't know all that. I mean, I know who their starting quarterback is going to be. I know kind of who their starters are going to be. Um, and I know that, you know, the defense, the secondary, they say, could be one of the best in the country, which is you know, maybe going to be counted on to keep them in a few games until that offense gets rolling. But I really still don't know enough about this team to say, oh, yeah, they're going to go out and win 10, 11 games. Lane Cassidy, CBS 6. What's a good year at Virginia in year two under Bronco Mendenhall? Um, a good year under Bronco Mendenhall. Well, I would say the easy answer is, you know, three, four or five wins. Uh, get closer to 500. Um, Virginia really, as long as they are competitive, as long as they are showing forward progress, as long as they're not getting beat, you know, 45 to 14 in half of these games, as long as they are, they are in the games and showing a, a, a competition and a drive 
and enough to, you know, stick in every game. Um, I think that would be considered a, a, a more successful season. I mean, I know UVA fans and Bronco want to see, <clears throat> excuse me, at least six wins, get them to 500. I don't know if they can make that kind of leap in year two. Um, a successful season would be seeing Kurt Benkirk start every game. Um, that would be, you know, the first threshold that will kind of let everything else play out because um, while I know Bronco is happy with his starting 22, I don't think he believes he has a lot of depth behind that, those starters. So if one or two key injuries, and this could be another long season. No, Leonard, I think he's not hiding it at all. I mean, you just listened to him. I know how optimistic he was last year, but he's now saying he's optimistic, also realistic. I mean, they're, they're his words, not mine. I think he kind of knows what's coming. I I think of this team, they got to take advantage of their opening slate. They get four or five at home, and I'm thinking maybe maybe four wins for this team this year. I think it's going to be a lot – what you hope to see is growing pains and not anything that looks like a continued step backwards. Lane Casadani, CBS 6. You can check him out, CBS 6. They will have coverage. And by the way, we didn't get to it. We'll get to it a little bit later on. Richmond moving their game to 6 o'clock Friday night against uh, Sam Houston State. We played at Baylor. Laner, I'm surprised they even got this game in. I'm, I'm impressed by being able to move things around and get this thing out of the Houston area, but being able to play it. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, the last thing that anybody in Houston is worried about right now is a football game. Um, but, you know, this is for the – it's important in the con, in context of these two programs and what it might mean for the rest of their season. That game is actually, I believe, at 7 o'clock Eastern Sunday – or, excuse me, Friday night. It's 6 o'clock Central. Gotcha. Um, and they don't have a broadcast uh, announcement yet. We're hoping that, you know, ESPN or somebody will be able to pick it up so that we can see it back here, but yeah, it's. I know that the folks at Richmond have been on the phone all week, uh, ever since last Thursday, trying to get this worked out. And uh, you know, hopefully, this is this is will work out the best for everybody. Hopefully, we'll have Russ Husman on before the team departs for the Friday game. Lane, before I let you roll, Laner is brought to you by Elkin Sports Performance, the Player of the Week, the High School Player of the Week. See if you have any opposition or agreement. Mateo Jackson from Hermitage High. Led the defense, and I believe you guys had the, the video footage, or you guys were there. Uh, Highland Springs, what was it, an interception in the end with six seconds left to go? Yep. Yeah, Highland Springs, 14-9. Hermitage uh, beat Highland Springs, but the Springers were driving, and they were right on the uh, right on the doorstep, right at the uh, five-yard line with six seconds to go. And uh, just not really, I, I think uh, uh, Highland Springs would like to have that pass back um, because I believe it was thrown into triple coverage, but – Jackson in the right place at the right time, jumped up, made the interception, um, and one of his teammates calls him the smartest player on the team. Not bad. Well, that's why we're, one of the many reasons we're giving him the Elkin Sports Performance Player of the Week, Mateo Jackson from Hermitage High, brought to you by Elkin Sports Performance, out work them all. Laner, I'll catch up with you somewhere down the road. All right, Wes, stick to sports. Thank you. <laughs> it's not going to die. Lane Casadani of CBS 6. Stick to sports.